Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 6.03 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It's the 26th of April, 2021. This is episode 407 of Bitcoin and... Oh my God, five o'clock came at me freaking fast. Oh man, I may be, I'm, I may very well be hung over. I'm not sure yet. I'm like, I'm just, I'm struggling to open my eyes, bitches. <clears throat> Let's see, what do we got on, what do we got on tap today? I don't freaking know, man. It's just, this is be beyond me. Um, let's, let's talk about the, a little bit more about the crash of prices over uh this last few days um like i said you know it, we were probably this all began with the chinese you know power outage that resulted in a drop in hash rate which pretty much set off a cascade set of events and it's not that it set them off it's just that somehow or another a whole bunch of like different events sort of culminated together to end up in a really frightful situation when you, when you get right down to it. And, you know, basically, you know, who ran for the exits? Oh, all the brand new retail, all the, you know, the brand new retail that came in, started coming in since last December, essentially, when the price, you know, rocketed past the previous all-time high of $20,000, all of a sudden you get a whole new crop of people coming in. And while we want those, you know, we want those people coming in, but, but when they come in, you know, you got to understand something about these people. They don't know what the hell they're doing and that's okay. I mean, you know, it's not that big of a deal. It's just that you're going to get skittishness. It's like buying a bunch of bunny rabbits, you know, one, one small sound and they all, you know, basically bail out. They all run because they're just, they're scared. And this is a scary environment. And this is actually one of the most scary environments that you could ever pick, especially if you're going to be like, you know, talking about your money and your time. But, you know, we, we saw it happen again, right? We had probably one of the worst crashes that we've seen, I don't know, since post-2017, coming off of the, all, off the all-time high of 20, of 20 grand. And just watch it, you know, just plunge. In fact, there's some metrics that suggest that this is just, this is every bit as bad <coughs> as the 2017 blow-off. But we're back at 53 already. You, 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 if you're going to try to work the market, don't. Because you're going to get burned. You're going to be like, you might as well tie yourself to a stake and light your ass on fire as a witch. Because this 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 entire market is so new, 
and is so full of new retail that um, it's one of the most dangerous things I've ever seen. In fact, let's, let's get with William Suberg here, who's going to tell us about five things to watch in Bitcoin this week as greed and leverage get flushed out. Yeah, that's right. Leverage. There was like billions and billions of dollars lost in leveraged longs because everybody was aping into shit that they didn't understand. Not everybody, but I mean, pretty much most of the new retail that came in were like, oh, look, hey, there's this leverage button I can use. I wonder what that does. Yeah, you know what that does? That burns your house down. That's what that button does. So let's get let's get to it from Cointelegraph. Bitcoin is keeping bulls and bears guessing. As it opens the new weekly candle in the green, heading away from $50,000. After an eventful but uninspiring weekend, uh, Bitcoin has begun Monday by reclaiming $53,000 for the first time since April the 22nd. What could lie in store? Oh, please do tell bitches. Cointelegraph takes a look at five factors that could shape BTC price action coming in the coming days. Okay, so stocks, steady, but dollar dives. All right, stocks are once again cool this week as the macro picture presents a familiar mixture of hope and misery driven by the coronavirus. While Asian markets had an uneventful day on the whole, India's virus problems and Turkey's financial woes are, were cause for concern. Separately, with the United States set to send tourists to the European Union this summer, Fresh economic incentives for traders are beginning to take, take shape. With no overall direction, however, the impetus for Bitcoin to track a macro narrative is barely existent, and the day's price movements are already proving that. Quote, what does the future hodl? Tesla and SpaceX, Techno King, Elon Musk, summarized on Saturday in a tweet that will be poignant for many in a, uh, many a market participant, Tesla, one of the big name BTC investors is due to report on earnings after the Wall Street close. Oh, this should be, that should be fun. When it comes to the dollar, the opportunity for Bitcoin is more skewed to the upside. The U.S. dollar currency index is continuing its decline after closing below 91 on Friday. As Cointelegraph often reports, the index, particularly over the past year, tends to be negatively correlated with uh, Bitcoin. Now, BTC regains the $53,000 mark. Spot price action is already offering surprises, and unlike last week, it's the bears who are caught unawares. Data from Cointelegraph Market Pro and TradingView reveals Bitcoin rising to hit $53,000 for the first time since losing the same level on its way down last week. The level itself is significant, equaling a Bitcoin market cap of $1 trillion and thus previously forming a line in the sand that analysts thought would hold. In the event, it was, uh, if, sorry, in the event, it was $46,000, which would provide the floor. But as of yet, there is no firm belief that the latest price dip is over. This is evidenced in trading positions as the move up to $53,000 liquidated shorts to the tune of $150 million inside of one hour. Ha! Ha ha! Ha ha I hope it hurt, bitches. Looks like this interim sell-off might be reaching its conclusion, podcast host Preston Pish suspected late on Sunday. The scope of the dip was a shock to some investors, despite hordes of new buyers entering the network. 
on-chain metrics as a whole have remained in the green, leading further, or sorry, lending further weight to the theory that current circumstances are a temporary blip in an otherwise enduring bull market. Quote, market is very emotional, over 2% uh, 2% plus or minus swings on closes. Fibflib, or Flibflib, co-founder of trading suite Decentrader, told Telegram subscribers last week, quote, take note, volatility will inbound soon. I'm quite bullish, but think we need a bit more of a shakeup. Uh, could be wrong about the direction, but not so much about the volatility, so buckle up, which is always good advice. Now, the difficulty set for biggest retrace since November. Now, this is the third point here. In fundamentals, miners continue to recover from a Chinese power outage that truncated the network's hash rate overnight earlier in April. As a result of flooding, as before in Bitcoin's life, large segments of China's mining power disappeared from the network, leading to a drop in hash rate, which at one point near 25% of all-time highs. Since then, miners have begun adapting. While a drop in mining difficulty will allow smaller operations to mine more profitably and provide an incentive for maintaining network security. This drop, set to occur in around five days' time, will be the largest negative move since November the 3rd, when Bitcoin was still at $13,000. So, difficulty adjustments form an essential, if not the most essential, part of Bitcoin's ability to maintain itself, regardless of external factors influencing its modus operandi. Excuse me while I drink some coffee. Ah, poison bean juice. It's good for you. Recent months have been characterized by upticks in difficulty, which together with hash rate has seen consistent all-time highs, or brand new all-time highs, I should say. Should history continue to repeat itself, price action should also revert to gains in line with their recovery. Commenting on recent events, Adam Back, uh, CEO of Blockstream, cautioned observers on their choice of statistics resource and argued that the drop had not, in fact, been as large as some suggested. Quote, Bitcoin hash rate back at 157 exahashes per second, about 5% below 168, uh, mostly recovered from 25% down at 125 exahashes, he tweeted on Sunday. Okay, so it looks like we're gonna we're we're bouncing back on the on the whole hash rate debacle. Now, sentiment tends towards extreme fear. Yes, retail is cowering in the corners in the dark, under a sheet, because monsters are coming out of the fucking closet and everything. It's all, we're all gonna die, bitches, along with shorts and over-leveraged longs alike. It seems that irrational sentiment in crypto has finally been shaken out. God, it couldn't come more sooner. That's the conclusion of the popular Crypto Fear and Greed Index, which uses a basket of factors to determine trader sentiment and therefore what's likely to occur uh, on the Bitcoin price as a result of their actions. Previously, as new all-time highs of $65,000 appeared, fear and greed was nearing historic record highs in line with the tops of bull markets past. At nearly 80 to 100, a sell-off was clearly on the cards as per the metric, which took around a week to retract or rather react to the $46,000 price dip. Uh, okay, no, it priced it down to 46000 It didn't, like, go down 46 Whatever. You guys are horrible at this. Now, however, 
the pressure is off and the index has gone from extreme greed to fear, effectively a reset of sentiment which provides scope for further price gains. All right, so there you go. That pretty much gives you sort of a sentiment of what's going on to look at this week. So now let's get into the nitty gritty. Um, let's get to this one from Bitcoin Magazine. Bitcoin peer-to-peer -peer trading in Nigeria rises 27% since their central bank banned it. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, just tell children like that they can't do something and watch them go do it twice. Telling you, bro, this is uh, Namcios uh, writing this one for Bitcoin Magazine. Months. After the Central Bank of Nigeria released a letter banning regulated institutions from dealing with Bitcoin in February, there has been a 27% increase in peer-to-peer -peer Bitcoin trading in the country, according to data from analytics platforms, Useful Tulips. The ban came as a follow-up to a previous CBN circular of 2017 that cautioned institutions and the public on the risk associated with transactions in cryptocurrency. With the February 2021 letter, the CBN clarified to regulated institutions that dealing in cryptocurrencies or facilitating payments for cryptocurrency exchanges is prohibited, bitches. However, the CBN did not restrict Bitcoin use by citizens and as reported by local media outlet, what, Today NG. That subtle difference paired with Bitcoin's decentralized and uncensorable nature has allowed Nigerians to work around the band on exchanges and resort to pure P2P solutions like Paxful and local Bitcoins. Being a decentralized P2P electronic cash system, Bitcoin can't easily be bent by the rules of authoritarian governments, and Nigerians have proven that banning banks and exchanges from participating in Bitcoin does not undermine the network, but only strengthens it. <laughs> That's what we call anti-fragile. Unlike... Nassim Taleb, who seems to be the most fragile little bitch I've ever seen. Continuing on, as Parker Lewis demonstrated in two essays, Bitcoin is anti-fragile. Oh, there you go. And cannot be banned. Quote, banning Bitcoin is a fool's errand. Some will try. All will fail. And the very attempts to ban Bitcoin will accelerate its adoption and proliferation. It will be the 100 mile per hour wind that fuels the wildfire. It will also make Bitcoin stronger and more reliable, further immunizing it from attack and reinforcing its anti-fragile nature. Nassim Taleb, you should probably take note. Because why, why am I talking about Nassim? Because he's, like he's crying like a little baby again. I mean, it's, 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 it's bad. We'll probably end up getting into it here in a little bit. We'll talk about it later. Blockworks. Sam Reynolds has this one. There's no merit to that 80% crypto capital gains tax rumor. Okay, this is the first I heard about this shit. 80%? <laughs> oh my God, no, no. That's just, no. That's never going to happen. Even if they did make it, if, even if they did make it a law, you know how many people are going to follow that? None. Because no, we're all coming to the end of our fucking rope. The humanity. I'm not talking about just Americans. I'm talking about every human on the face of this planet is now living under an authoritarian government. And all of them need to burn down. And if you're not going to stand up and at least recognize that, yes, you, no matter where you are, 
live under an authoritarian government, if you're not going to recognize that, then I don't need you on this planet. The people that I need on this planet are the people that are smart. The people that at least recognize that they're getting the shaft and are damn well ready to do something about it. This shit cannot continue, right? This shit cannot continue. And at one point or another, the floodgates are going to break loose. And pitchforks and gallows and guillotines and long knives and fucking torches are going to come out of the goddamn woodshed. And all of these people that thought that they were in control are going to find out that they were actually in control of nothing but fear. And when humanity overcomes that fear, that's when the other side of the coin should be scared. So let's get into what was going on with this bullshit rumor. The Biden White House is preparing to unveil a comprehensive tax plan that will include significant increases in capital gains taxes on those earning over $1 million. Yeah, they say that, but that's going to be for everybody, by the way. But there's no evidence to suggest that cryptocurrency will be specifically targeted. Bloomberg reported that as part of the White House's next economic package, the Biden administration will will propose a 39.6% capital gains tax for those earning over $1 million. The current maximum capital gains tax is just over 20%. When combined with existing surtaxes on investment income, this would push the federal tax rate to nearly 43.4%. And in high-tax states, such as New York and California, the total amount would be well over 50%. Although gains from cryptocurrency would be included in any sort of calculation on capital gains, the White House has not specifically highlighted crypto as a new category for taxable commodities. Needless to say, Rumors spread fast on crypto Twitter that an 80% tax rate on crypto-specific gains was in the works. Investing.com apparently had a tweet out that says, quote, Yellen to propose capital gains tax as high as 80% for crypto trading heard on street. And then hashtagging Doge, uh, BTC, Ethereum, and Cripple. All right, so investing.com. Yeah, uh, looking at you. Uh, you lied. You lied. You started a rumor and and it went out of control. And you know what? Because of that, uh, you're going to be to blame for all of the suicide hotline numbers that are most likely being posted to Reddit at this time. Because a lot of retail just got flushed down the fucking toilet. Because you said that there was an 80% capital. That's never going to happen. Okay, as authoritarian as this government is, is getting and has been over the years, there's not ever going to be such thing as an 80% tax. I know you're probably laughing at me and that's okay. <clears throat> I, I, I get that. I'm just saying that that at one point or another, even these people go, oh, hell no, we're not going to do that shit. I don't want to be put under the guillotine. And if they do that shit, they're going to get put under the guillotine. The, the, there, I mean, there's 300 fucking million people in this country and we're all at the limit. Every single one of us is has been pushed to our limit. These guys better start treading very carefully. Continuing, quote, I think the 80% discussion 
had no basis in reality, Max Satchzow, an attorney with Stark and Stark that advises fund managers and RIAs, I can't recall any serious sources reporting that figure. Regardless of if a crypto-specific tax is in the works, the digital asset market seems spooked about the possibility of higher capital gains. The price of Bitcoin fell below $50,000 to $49,500, the lowest in nearly two months. Oh my God, two months. Late on Thursday. And it's hovering just above 50 grand uh, during the U.S. Friday trading session. Okay, so this was last week. Uh, Bitcoin is down nearly 20% over the last week, according to CoinGecko. In a note in mid-March, investor Ray Dalio argued that the United States is on path uh, to being inhospitable to capitalism because of a new paradigm of shocking tax changes put in place to pay for fiscal response to COVID-19. It has nothing to do with COVID-19. Oh my God, I cannot believe people are still buying this, this line of bullshit. How stupid do they think we really are? I, I'm guessing they think that we're pretty stupid because in reality, the majority of people in the United States have been fed nothing but sugar and starch for the last 40 years. And apparently the only thing in their life worth a fuck is going down to Walmart the night before Christmas or the day after fucking Thanksgiving to get a 47-inch television and kill each other for it. Jesus, this is, this is the way that we live now. Yeah, this is, you know, God gave us this entire creation to do what? To piss on each other over a 47-inch television set the day after Thanksgiving. Yeah, that's our life now. Working in a cubicle for somebody else who probably doesn't even re remember your damn name. Continuously being scared that you don't have enough save for retirement. Because what are you going to do in retirement? Sit on your ass. Because there's apparently that's what we do now. As, as a whole species, we look forward to doing nothing. That entire goddamn species of fucking primates aping around this planet. And all we can do is figure out a way to make each other do paperwork, go to a place that we don't want to be, unless you like your job. Hey, dude, if you like your job, you're lucky. I had a job for 10 years and I really enjoyed, but it was mostly because of the people. But by and large, I was still stuck in the mentality of, oh my God, retirement. Oh my God, retirement. Oh my God, retirement. Is that really what we've been reduced to? Is to do nothing but think about this shit? What about having fun? Athletes have fun. I mean, why are athletes demanding to be paid in Bitcoin? Well, shit, Drew Mar McMartin is going to tell us about it from Bitcoin Magazine. The Sacramento Kings of the National Basketball Association recently made headlines when their owner, Vivek Renadive, announced that in the near future, anyone in the organization who wants to will be able to be paid a portion or all of their salary in Bitcoin. Soon, any player of the Kings who wants to be paid in Bitcoin will easily be able to do so, despite the past difficulty other professional athletes have encountered being paid in Bitcoin. Enter Russell Okung, a Carolina Panthers offensive tackle in the National Football League who famously tweeted, pay me in Bitcoin in May of 2019. Okung made headlines in December of 2020 as the first professional athlete in any major U.S. sport to be paid in Bitcoin, technically. Okung 
was not directly paid in Bitcoin. He converted half of his $13 million salary to Bitcoin through a company called Zap. The company owns Strike, the exchange product that enables the conversion, which also allows individuals to easily convert funds from fiat to Bitcoin. Soon, anyone will be able to be paid in Bitcoin like Okung, as Strike has announced early access to this paycheck conversion program. When Okung did it, it set a new precedent <coughs> for other professional athletes to do the same. When Okung converted $7.5 million of his salary to Bitcoin on December the 29th, 2020, the price of Bitcoin was approximately $27,000. Bitcoin's price has more than doubled since then, meaning he has made a large profit. His total salary, including Bitcoin profit, would make Okung one of the highest paid offensive tackles in the NFL and one of the top 25 highest paid players. Wow. To reiterate, Okung's salary was not paid directly in Bitcoin. In 2019, NFL quarterback Matt Barkley tried to persuade his NFL teams, the uh, San Francisco 49ers and the Cincinnati Bagels, Bagels, Bengals, to pay his contract in Bitcoin. But he was also unsuccessful in his pursuit. It's tough being the first to do anything. My theory of why these requests were historically met with negative response stems from the need for the teams themselves to carry Bitcoin on their balance sheets. If you don't have Bitcoin in your balance sheet, how can you use it to pay your employees? Just four months ago, it was unrealistic for a company to have Bitcoin on its balance sheet, accept revenue in Bitcoin, or pay its employees directly in Bitcoin, but it is becoming more prevalent as time passes. Bitcoin has recently had a high rate of inst institutional adoption, when Okun converted his salary to Bitcoin at the end of 2020, only a handful of companies had Bitcoin on their balance sheets like MassMutual, MicroStrategy, Galaxy Digital. Since then, MicroStrategy hosted a Bitcoin for Corporations event in February of 2021, which was designed to educate corporations on how to add Bitcoin to their balance sheet. In total, 7,000 companies attended the conference. Jeez. The notion of companies using and transacting a Bitcoin is becoming more mainstream, which in turn is accelerating the rate of Bitcoin adoption in the corporate world. In 2021, we have seen for the first we have seen the first S&P 500 company add Bitcoin to its balance sheet, which is Tesla, and recently Time magazine announced that it too will hold Bitcoin on its balance sheet and be paid in Bitcoin for a new crypto video series. According to bitcointreasuries.org, 53 publicly traded companies now have Bitcoin on their balance sheets. The Sacramento Kings have long-standing claim to being one of the most Bitcoin forward teams in professional sports, becoming the first team to accept Bitcoin in 2014. Several other professional sports franchises are starting to accept and adopt Bitcoin as a means of exchange. For example, in mid-March, 2021, the Oakland A's, a major league baseball team, announced that they would accept Bitcoin for season suites. The team's administration decided to accept a single Bitcoin for the full season suites, no matter how much Bitcoin fluctuates in value. Quote, we're going to hold it. We're believers in it, and hopefully it will continue to go up. Maybe we can sign some big free agents with some of the proceeds. Who knows, said Dave Caval, the team's president. The Dallas Mavericks of the NBA started to accept Bitcoin for, as payment for game tickets and merchandise via BitPay in 2019. Quote, we want our fans who would like to pay with Bitcoin to have the opportunity to do so, said the owner of the Dallas Mavericks, Mark Cuban. If teams start accepting Bitcoin as revenue and include it on their balance sheets, 
direct payment options for their players will be far more accessible. The Sacramento Kings are set to become the first major sports franchise to offer a Bitcoin payment option to all players and staff. Quote, I'm going to announce in the next few days that I'm going to offer everyone in the Kings organization they can get paid as much of their salary in Bitcoin as they want, including the players, said team owner, Rivik Ranadive. This means that any Sacramento Kings player who wants to be paid in Bitcoin will be able to directly with no conversion. The Kings are able to do this in large part because they've been accepting Bitcoin as payment for tickets and merchandise for the last seven years. Holy shit. The price of Bitcoin in 2014 was under $1,000, people, which is far lower than the price today. Uh, as if I couldn't do math. If other trailblazing athletes such as Russell Okung and Matt Barkley keep demanding to be paid in Bitcoin, other teams will first have to buy and hold Bitcoin on their balance sheets before they are able to pay their athletes directly in Bitcoin. So imagine the fiscal gymnastics that the LA Lakers would have to perform on their dollar-denominated balance sheet should LeBron James make the same pay-me-in-Bitcoin demand. The concept may not be so far-fetched. We have seen the impossible for Okung uh, to translate into acceptance, at least for Sacramento Kings players, staff, and coaches in less than four months. That was a terrible sentence. So there you go. It's it's happening, guys. It it really is. It's just you you just gotta hold on to your ass. You know, those dumps like over the weekend, and like the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and, and yesterday, I was just watching it go, go to 47 and I was like tweeted out. I'm like going, well, I guess we're gonna ride it down to 47 and and, and retest that shit because that's what that's what you know read the new retail wants to do. And I guarantee you the new retail that came in, they lost a lot of money. They, they now have a bad taste in their mouth. Congratulations, people. We did it. Let's run the numbers. Futures. It's the futures, bitches. Oil is at... I don't know why my alarm went off. Oil is at uh, is, has dipped 1.67%. So West Texas Intermediate is coming in at $61.09 per barrel. Brenton North Sea getting hammered a little bit more, 1.75% to the downside, just under 65 bucks a barrel. Natural gas is down a half, $2.71 for a 1,000 cubic feet of that. All the shiny metal rocks are doing well, unless you're gold. In which case you suck because you're down almost one, you know, or 0.1% and coming in at a price of 1776, which is good for Peter Schiff, I suppose. Now, silver is up a scant uh, 0.06%. Platinum is up almost a third of a point. Copper is up almost 2%, guys. It's getting pretty bad out there. And palladium <coughs> is up 1.33%. Uh, all the agricultural futures except for coffee and cotton are on the rise. And let's see, what our indices are pretty much flat. Uh, Dow futures opening 0.1% to the upside. S&P is going to be down 0.08%. NASDAQ futures down 0.33%. And the S&P mini is going to be up 0.3%. And all the bond rates are down substantially for the uh, 30-year 0.28% down for the 30-year futures, 
0.18% down for the 10-year, 0.09 down for the five-year futures, and almost straight sideways for the two-year futures, which I don't know if anybody actually does anything with. Now, money. Talk about it. Bitcoin is at a price of $53,469. We are just a hair under $1 trillion at that price. We have had 251,748 transactions performed in the last 24 hours. That's 10,500 transactions on average every hour on the hour with 541,000 BTC being sent in that 24-hour period. We have 22,500 BTC being sent on average every hour with the average transaction value of 2.15 BTC and the median transaction value of 0.012 BTC, which is substantially lower than what we're normally seeing at 650 bucks USD. Block times on the mend, 10 minutes and 13 seconds. We have just under one BTC being taken on a per block basis and over 135 BTC being taken in fees over the last 24 hours. We are with a five and was, yeah, 5% tick to the upside in hash rate. We are at 172 exahashes per second. So it looks like Humpty Dumpty put all of his shit together again. Your shitcoin index, speaking of, is Dogecoin at 25.8 cents. That's right, the joke coin that was minted because people didn't like Bitcoin is at 25 cents or almost 26. Let that sink in. Jesus, people are freaking stupid. All right, we have still 41,000 transactions waiting on 88 blocks to clear, according to Clark Moody, uh, Clark Moody's dashboard. Um, we have, okay, now according to Clark Moody's uh, dashboard, we are at exactly $1.00 trillion in market capitalization. However, that is only 8.66% of gold's extreme market cap, and you're only going to get 30.1 ounces of shiny metal rocks for flipping one Bitcoin, of which there are 18,691,723.09 BTC in circulation at this time. There are, in fact, 1,212.5 of those in the Lightning Network, and that's going to be valued at $65.1 million, being run over 10,740 nodes. Dudes, I am watching, like, I'm watching launches of nodes on Twitter. Like, it's just going out of style, dude. It's just every single day there's somebody spinning up a my node or get umbral. Most of them are actually get umbrals, by the way. I'm not going to be like, you know, all brand specific, but the, the what I'm seeing, I'm seeing more Git umbrals being spun up than anything else, honestly. Anyway, so there are 42,461 payment channels in play. Tor capacity has popped over 58%, in fact, to 58.1%. So there are 704.76 BTC in the Tor side of the Lightning Network. And that looks like it's being run over just shy of 5,000 Tor nodes that we can see. And that's going to do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the morning roundup. We're going to start this one off with chicanery. 
Second, Turkish Bitcoin exchange abruptly shuts down, locking up funds. Eric Jank is going to tell us about it from Decrypt.co. <coughs> Excuse me. Pardon me. This was, in fact, written on the 23rd of April. So not today is now the 26th. So this is a few days ago. Anyway, V-Bitcoin, a Turkish cryptocurrency exchange today, what would have been Friday or Thursday or something like that, uh, abruptly halted trading, citing unspecific financial difficulties. Quote, due to the recent interest in crypto, our transaction have, transactions have become much more intense than expected, a statement on V-Bitcoin's website said. Quote, we regret that this situation has put us in a financially difficult position. <laughs> the exchange said it halted trading to be able to honor the claimant's rights, adding that more information will follow shortly. What, after you get off the plane in Bermuda? <laughs> that makes V Bitcoin the second Turkish exchange this week to shut its doors after Thodex uh, halted trading on Wednesday, first citing an outside investment and then later cyber attacks. V Bitcoin is one of the smaller exchanges in the country. Its daily trade volume was $60 million yesterday. By comparison, Thordex's daily trade volume was $585.5 million on its last day of trading. Paraboo is one of the country's largest exchanges and today recorded a trade volume of $1 billion. Bitcoin trade accounts for 56% of V-Bitcoin's daily volume yesterday, followed by 10% for Cripple and 6% for some other shitcoin. The amount of funds locked up on the exchange isn't yet known. Shortly after the announcement, Turkish financial crimes watchdog Masak froze all bank accounts in the country associated with V-Bitcoin and opened up an investigation into the company and its managers. Mertkan Bayaktar a lawyer who represents seven people in a case against the other exchange, Thodet, <coughs> told Decrypt that freezing bank accounts is the necessary first step to protect the company's claimants, those who file a legal complaint in the court, uh, or for those who file a legal complaint in the court. Quote, this has been a tragic week for Turkish crypto, he added. Well, get out of crypto and get into Bitcoin and you won't have these problems. There are 31 crypto exchanges in Turkey. No shit. Wow. Including Thodex and V-Bitcoin. To win customers, it helps to tout a global brand as your partner, even if it's not accurate. V-Bitcoin described itself on the company website as, they, as the Turkish partner of BitGo, the California-based digital asset security company, BitGo. All products on our stock exchange, which is a BitGo partner, are covered by insurance, it noted. Okay, well, that's great. A tweet from 4th of June 2020 said, V Bitcoin is the Turkish partner of Bitcoin, the world's most important cold storage cryptocurrency bank. But in a call with Decrypt, a spokesperson for BitGo clarified that V Bitcoin has only been its hot wallet client, not a cold wallet client, and certainly not its partner. Quote, did V-Bitcoin overstate its relationship with us? Possibly, the spokesperson said, adding that the company was not aware of its client's portrayal of their relationship. Nonetheless, popular Turkish crypto sites have played up V-Bitcoin's relationship with BitGo. Coinbelina, a popular Turkish crypto site, wrote in August of 2019 that crypto funds on V-Bitcoin are insured of up to $100 million as it has a partnership with, with BitGo the blockchain security company that offers the most extensive insurance coverage through Lloyd's of London. Another popular site, 
Usman Coin said in September of 2020 that all products and assets on V Bitcoin Exchange are insured through its partnership with BitGo. BitGo's insurance covers only a loss caused by BitGo and has nothing to do with V Bitcoin's trading. BitGo's spokesperson told Decrypt, "The insurance does not cover a loss caused by V Bitcoin. V Bitcoin's Turkish customers should not be expecting any payout from California." So, in this industry that is the shitcoin industry, because if it's not Bitcoin, it's shitcoin. Let's let's get this let's get this straight. If you're not into Bitcoin, what you're holding is a bag of fire. And eventually it's going to set your clothes on fire and eventually it's going to kill you. I don't know how, I I don't know how else you want me to put it, but this kind of shit, apparently this is just, this is just par for the course in shitcoinville. Just being able to lie straight through your teeth about your relationship with some company that you don't have a relationship with at all. This, this is, this is, you know, where we're at in shitcoinville. Just, you know, straight up lying about shit that doesn't even exist at this point. At least with, you know, some of these altcoins, namely shitcoins, at least there's something you can point at. I'm fairly certain that there's Ethereum that actually exists. 70% of it was pre-mined, but, you know, at least I know that it exists. I'm pretty sure Dogecoin actually exists. But V Bitcoin just straight up lying about a relationship with Bitco. I mean, honestly, this is this. I hate to say it this way, but this industry is embarrassing. It's, it really is. Because all these primates just aping around trying to figure out ways to steal money in, a, in an unregulated space is just so peak humanity that I can't even see straight. And it makes me, it makes me kind of sad. That humans are this contemptuous, this immoral, this unethical, this shitty to each other. And it never, it never ceases to amaze me just how crappy we can be to each other. I don't get it. But, I, but we're not done with Turkey yet because their central bank governor says that they're going to have crypto regulation in two weeks. I'm serious. They actually says, it actually says it's regulation to come within two weeks. If you don't know the two weeks joke, go visit Butterfly Labs. Anyway, this is also from Ekin Jenk uh, from Decrypt.co, in fact. The governor of Turkey's central bank said Friday that the finance ministry plans to announce wide-reaching cryptocurrency regulations within two weeks. He ruled out any possibility of an outright ban. So, like India... Turkey is one of the most wishy-washy countries in the world. They can't figure out which way to go on this shit. And I guarantee you, after two weeks from now, they'll probably ban it again. And then they'll unban it. And then they'll ban it. And then they'll unban it. And then they'll ban it. Uh, Quote, you can't resolve anything simply by banning crypto. And we have no intention of doing so. Governor Sahap Kavatu said on a state-run TRT channel. While did not specify what the forthcoming regulation would entail, he hinted that it would clarify the legal definition of crypto and govern how institutions should store crypto. Oh my God, they're so far behind. (coughs) Man's last name, who I cannot pronounce, said, the implementations are necessary to address the disturbingly high amount of funds leaving the country through crypto. 
capital flight bitches deal with it. He said uh, he didn't have any reliable figures to support his claim, but added, we don't even know if some of the crypto funds leaving the country ever come back. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm laughing at this. These are, these are people that rule your life. If you're, at least if you're in Turkey, this is a guy that actually makes decisions for you. And he doesn't, he literally cannot understand the most basic concepts. This is called capital flight. It's called people are leaving because they're tired of you. And they don't need to deal with your bullshit anymore. They can go to El Salvador or something like that. And, and have people, seemingly the government of, of El Salvador may be coming around to crypto or at least to Bitcoin with Bitcoin Beach and Jack Mallers and, and all that kind of stuff going on down there. I, even I'm thinking about El Salvador because I don't want, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of done with the United States at this point. And I don't, I don't need to be here. My family doesn't need to be here. What, where we need to be is where somebody actually gives a shit about us being humans. And I guarantee... I guarantee you, if Biden pulls off the rest of the bullshit that he's planning, I don't mind literally not even trying to sell my house, just literally walking away from it and letting it be a bank headache because I'm just fucking done. Now, let's get back to this. Bestie Naz Salulu, research director at the crypto exchange iCrypex, told Decrypt that the government wants to clarify in which jurisdictions virtual currencies are stored. Jesus. The key question, will it remain in Turkey or not? Governments often prevent wealth from leaving their countries to protect their economies, and Turkey's economy is struggling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The man whose name I cannot pronounce said that his institution's decision last week to ban payment processors, uh, like uh, Turkish equivalents of PayPal, from dealing with crypto was necessary to restore government oversight over payment networks. <clears throat> Payment processors have weak infrastructure, he said, unlike banks, which were unaffected by the ban. Uh, his statement comes at a critical time for crypto in Turkey. This week, two crypto exchanges, Thodex and VBitcoin, suddenly ceased trading and prevented their customers from withdrawing their money. Oguz Ivan Krilik, God, names, Jesus. A lawyer representing some of Thodex's clients said regulations on digital assets are long overdue to protect investors. Such regulation can also protect the crypto industry from a barrage of bad press that has followed the shutdowns of the two exchanges, he said. Quote, just as the stock exchange market is protected against slander or manipulative headlines, the crypto industry could also benefit from such protection. But the shutdown should not distract the government from a rational approach. Mermet Turkslan, legal counsel at a major Turkish crypto exchange, told Decrypt, quote, crypto regulation, done right, could significantly contribute to the country's economy. He, he seems to get it. And it could make the world's trust or the world trust Turkey's crypto industry, said Aga Salim Salisi, senior researcher at crypto exchange Bittexan. Wow. Texton. Bittexton. That's an interesting name. The new regulation said this guy would likely require crypto exchanges to seek licenses and meet additional standards. That might mean some of the country's 31 crypto exchanges would have to halt trading if they fail to meet government standards. Woo, man. Some of these names. At least I can pronounce this dude's name. 
Black Swan author, Taleb, blasts Bitcoin as Ponzi and a gimmick. Ah, yes, the man who brought you anti-fragile is wetting his diapers again. Will Gottenson is going to tell us about it from Decrypt. Nassim Taleb, the statistician and author best known for his 2007 book, The Black Swan, has likened Bitcoin to a Ponzi scheme in a new interview. Speaking with CNBC Squawk Box, Taleb said Bitcoin has characteristics, characteristics of an open Ponzi. Quote, there's no connection between inflation and Bitcoin, he said, referencing a popular line from Bitcoin devotees about Bitcoin being a hedge against inflation. Quote, if you want to hedge against inflation, buy a piece of land, grow, I don't know, olives on it. You'll have an olive oil, you'll have olive oil if the price collapses. With Bitcoin, there's no connection. Oh, so this is where the olive oil beam came from that I was seeing. Oh my God. Yeah, see, Pierre Rochard said, don't buy olive oil. Olive oil is a scam. And I had no idea where it was coming from. Oh my God. So, I guess, I guess I'm going to start grow, get an olive, olive grow going. <sighs> Nassim. Okay, so where, 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 where are we? Taleb might be right to suggest there's little reason to expect Bitcoin will stay valuable if inflation arrives. As the market capitalization of Bitcoin has grown, it's been hovering around $1 trillion for some time now, though it's a little lower today. The price has become increasingly tied to traditional financial markets. When the stock market collapsed last year at the start of the pandemic, Bitcoin fell too. Bitcoin is also extremely volatile, which is to say it goes down as easily as it goes up. And inflation may not arrive at all. Another popular line among the Bitcoin faithful is that excessive government spending during the pandemic will bring uh, Weimar-esque hyperinflation. However, some analysts believe that a greater than expected increase in the consumer price index this past month was misleading, considering what's known as the base effect. Since consumer prices were so low in March of last year, rising prices now appear boosted in year-over-year -year statistics. Quote, the gimmicks, of course, you have Bitcoin today, you may have another one tomorrow, they come and go, and there's no systemic link between them and the claims that they make, said Taleb today. Taleb wasn't always so down on Bitcoin. In 2018, he wrote a piece about how Bitcoin could be an insurance policy that will remind governments that the last that the last object establishment could control, namely the currency, is no longer their monopoly, end quote. Earlier this year, he began tweeting about how Bitcoin had failed and said he was dumping his holdings. And that's the end of the article, but it's not the end of the story for Nassim Taleb. What's going on here is that Nassim, like all the rest of the primates that are aping around this planet, got his feelings hurt on Bitcoin Twitter. What did you expect when you said you were going to, like, Bitcoin has failed, I'm dumping all my Bitcoin, and you did it at $37,000, and we're back at fifty-three, which means that you were wrong, again, for the umpteenth fucking time. This dude, see, this is why you should kill all your heroes, because, I mean, God forbid I'm actually anybody's hero out there, but if I am, kill me. If you see me on the road, stab me to death. Why? Because I'm not worth it. Neither is Nassim Taleb. Neither is Pierre Richard. Neither is Matt O'Dell. Neither is anybody else in this space. We're all just plebs, right? The last thing that you need to do is like, like all the people that really bought into what Nassim, Nassim Taleb had written in his books, what the, the Inserto series, 
starting with Black Swan, you know, they really believe, you know, really bought into to his line of bullshit. And I did too. Now, I haven't read the entire uh, Inserto series, but I know enough about what Taleb has written to understand that I really bought into what he was saying. And to watch him fall like a giant like this, is it's really difficult to watch. But in some way, shape, form, fashion, or another, it's actually necessary. I, I don't know how to explain that, but it is necessary. Anyway, uh, spe- oh, let's see. Hold on. Do I want to do this one first? Let's do this one. Yeah, Louisiana um, releases bill commending Bitcoin and Satoshi Nakamoto. Yeah, I, I know. It's going to be weird. Let's read it from Jose Aramas from CryptoPotato.com, no less. The, the Louisiana House of Representatives has passed a resolution this week commending Bitcoin for becoming the first decentralized trillion-dollar asset encouraging the state and the local government to consider crypto assets and blockchain technology. The House Resolution, number 33, signed by Representative Mark Wright, praises Bitcoin's success through the years and its pseudonymous creator Satoshi Nakamoto for his contribution to economic security. Quote, Be it further resolved that the House of Representatives of the Legislature of Louisiana does hereby commend Bitcoin for its success in becoming the first decentralized trillion dollar asset and encourage the state and local government to consider ways that could help them benefit from the increased use of this technology, end quote. The bill outlines several aspects that make Bitcoin and crypto assets useful in the financial system. It further states that BTC could replace gold as a monetary reserve and has become a critical tool for businesses and citizens to protect themselves against hyperinflation. The document also refers to its technology, including the proof-of-work consensus and how a peer-to-peer system provides faster and secure transaction methods without the need for a third party. Louisiana was one of the few U.S. states to commend crypto assets publicly. A month ago, Mayor Francis Suarez from Miami said that his city wanted to become a crypto capital or a crypto capital. As reported, Suarez is open to investing 1% of the city's treasury reserves into Bitcoin, besides working with municipal workers to accept tax payments in BTC. The surge in interest in cryptocurrencies has skyrocketed since institutional money came to the crypto market. Wealthy traditional investors and financial institutions have started allocating large sums of BTC to their portfolio and balance sheets. The ongoing interest in crypto assets also called the attention of many anti-Bitcoin corporations who have now shifted their tone against digital assets. One of these is JP Morgan, who called Bitcoin and crypto a fraud four years ago and is now actively hiring Ethereum and blockchain developers. Jesus, Ethereum. Oh my God. So that was weird, right? A bill introduced in Louisiana legislature to commend Bitcoin and Satoshi Nakamoto. I mean, th- you you gotta you gotta sit back on your haunches and haunches and really think about this. Why take the time? What's what's the end game for that? I mean, I can't even speculate. I, I, I mean, I would like to speculate. Well, clearly they're going to start wanting to pay their, their you know, to get their salaries paid in Bitcoin. But I can't say that because I don't know. And neither do you. But what we do know is that apparently House Resolution number 33 is now part of the Louisiana legislature's public record forever and yon. Whether it gets 
whether it goes any further or not. You know, it's still, it's now it's entered. It's part of the public. I mean, at one point or another, a whole bunch of people came together in Louisiana and said, we got to shake this man's hand and we got to do it publicly. What does that mean? Honestly, I don't know, but I, it's probably good for Bitcoin. And the SEC starts the clock on the third Bitcoin ETF application. Um, this is actually going to be written by Will Gottenson, and it's also out of Decrypt. A Bitcoin ETF application from a company called Cryptoin Investment Advisors is now officially under review. The SEC has announced <coughs> it is one of nine active applications for an exchange-traded fund for Bitcoin, three of which are now under review, which are proposals from Wisdom Tree, Van Eck, and uh, yeah, uh, this one, Wisdom Tree and Van Eck are, are under active review. <coughs> I wonder what, what the other ones are doing. Anyway, crypto, uh, Cryptoin was founded in 2016 with the goal of producing a Bitcoin ETF, something the SEC has yet to approve. It's run by Jason Toussaint, who was previously involved with gold. The company's current application is actually an amendment to its first attempt from 2019. Cryptoin refiled the paperwork earlier this month. So number nine. Number nine is now on the, on the books. And what is the SEC doing about it? Well, apparently they're reviewing some of them. You know, four Ethereum freaking ETFs opened up in Canada after it, or the fourth one is about to open after three or four uh, Bitcoin ETFs opened up in Canada. And we've got one in Brazil. And here we are, you know, a couple of months after all this bullshit happened and the SEC is still sitting on their thumbs. This is one of the reasons why I, I just don't think the United States is going to be able to keep its its position as the global, the, the single global world's, you know, superpower, both economically, fiscally, regulatory, regulatorily, if that's even a word, the whole gamut. I don't think the United States is going to keep its seat for very much longer. It's going to, and it will be well within my lifetime that I see this country completely fucking fail because we keep doing the stupidest things. We keep believing the stupidest lies. We keep going on, you know, believing the dumbest people imaginable. And we're going to lose, man. And you know what? I'm I'm sick of the whole loyalty, you know, play. Oh, you're not you're not a good American. What's been American about America since 1913? I've never seen it. Because I wasn't alive in, before 1913 in the the institution or the installation of the Federal Reserve System. I would have loved to have seen what the, what the United States was really like, like right around the turn of the century, 1900. I, w- I would like to meet some of those Americans because honestly, I don't think the people that I'm meeting are really Americans. I think what we are, are a bunch of diaper wearing babies sucking on a fucking pacifier because we cry all goddamn day, which is pretty much most of the Western world at this point. Weak people are made from good times. Those good times are pretty much over. And so is the morning roundup. Daily Train Wrecked brought to you by ADT. That's right. ADT, the the secure your premises company. Uh, apparently, uh, it, it, it's come to the attention of, of ADT that um, uh, Craig Wright uh, 
said in court that somebody breached his uh, ADT system to install something called a pineapple that somehow jacked with his BTC holdings. And that's why he's got certain reasons for whatever he's saying in court. Well, ADT came back and said that no such breach has occurred. Not like literally not at all. And in my opinion, this has apparently done brand damage to the company and as such should be compensated for that loss by filing a lawsuit against Craig Wright for slander. Yeah. So here's the statement from CSW. Um, on the time that the break-in occurred and someone installed the pineapple in my house, while we won't hear, he says won't, He actually what he meant to write was while we were not here, ADT, the security firm, had a data center failure and lost all of the records. So he's accusing ADT of having a failure at, on their end. ADT UK is the people, you know, is the uh, division of ADT that he's talking about. ADT UK wrote back in a tweet and said, and didn't specifically say anything about Craig Wright or the lawsuit or anything. It just said, it has come to our attention that uh, information is being circulated that ADT UK had a data center breach. After investigating on our own, ADT UK has found that no such breach occurred. What does this mean? Well, it means Craig Stewart Wright lied in open court again, and it's probably, the judge is probably not going to do anything about it because apparently, you know, if I'm on the stand, if I'm going, you know, to court, apparently I can just lie under oath in the UK, you know, in court and just, and nothing, absolutely nothing is going to happen to me because he's lied so many, he's, he's turned in forged documents. He's lied on the stand. He, at this point, he's lied about ADT and is doing brand damage to them. Apparently you can do anything. Apparently it's okay to be the most corrupt and immoral piece of shit that you can possibly be because, you know, the people that are supposedly in the government and, you know, here for us, just let it happen. He's going to have no consequences on this. ADT is not going to sue him. I don't know why he's done brand damage to them. He, they should. He's lied on the stand to the court because ADT said that they investigated and no such breaches occurred. So any testimony Craig Wright gave under those auspices is, is false testimony. But, you know, you, the, the, the judge isn't going to do anything. You know, this judge, you know, that's down here for the Kleeman case or whatever in Florida, did, yeah, apparently it's just going to be just fucking fine. You know what? It's not fine. As much as I rail against this bullshit and regulatory landscapes and stuff like that, lying in court is probably not good for your soul. I, I'm just saying. I, whatever. Anyway, look, I've ranted a lot today. It's Monday. Uh, we're getting back on our horse with the price and everything. Y'all be careful out there. Make it a good week. Uh, and if you want to help me out, like and subscribe and share the show, and I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.